Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. myself. Hey honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking cause I'm trying to watch the game? If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. trip next week on your birthday I didn't ask you but I knew it'd be okay go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show I taped it over our old wedding video if you're a man who's done that a long and happy life is all the pleasure closer to you solo okay Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes. The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake. Your eyes look puffy, dear. Are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill. <laughs> You're the man who wants to live a long and happy love that too. These are the things you don't sincerely. You're a man who doesn't want to get killed with a knife. These are the things you don't sincerely. That is funny. I, anyway, uh, today we're going to uh, just share with you some principles. Um, I want to start again with a scripture. That I actually gave this to you a couple weeks ago, but I just think it's so uh, applicable to even what we're talking about today. It's out of the book of Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. You know this parable that Jesus taught. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice... I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We see in this parable two men built houses. So this is about builders and we're all builders. We're all building something. We're building a life. We're building a marriage. We're building a family. We're building a business. God's called us and created us to be builders. It's interesting. Storms came to both houses. I wish I could sit here today and tell you, you'll never face a storm or an adversity or something that challenges your life or your marriage or whatever, your family, but storms came to both houses. Both men heard the words of Jesus. So it wasn't that they hadn't heard the words of Jesus. One house survived and one house didn't. 
And there was just one difference. One man obeyed the words of Jesus and one man didn't. And so what we learn from this parable is very simple. Obedience to the words of Jesus is really the true key to all success in life, in marriage, in family, in business, whatever it is you're building, obeying the words of Jesus is the key. So we're going to share with you some principles, but before we get into those, Pam's going to share a couple thoughts that she wanted to share with you today. Um, that's so good, and as he said, there's there's no marriage that, and if you're if you're saying your marriage is your marriage hasn't had challenges, and you're just lying. So we know that. I mean, if you, you're taking two people, you're taking two families, and you've done life this way, you've done life this way, and you're bringing them together and trying to walk as one. And let's just face it, we grew up. A, a lot, you know, very similar, but very different. Yeah. And so um, you will have those challenges. But um, there was a scripture in the Bible out of Romans um, 14, 12. And as I read it, it says, yes, each of us will give it a personal account unto God. And that means I'm going to give an account of my life, how I listened to God and how I obeyed. But when I heard it in the context of marriage, I'm going to stand before God someday and I'm going to give an account for how I acted in my marriage. And when I thought about that, I thought, darn, like all those things that I just want to be fussy about. And I want to, you know, God's going to say, those weren't, those weren't the issues. Those weren't the points. I asked you to be obedient to my word. And you know, if we obey God's word, I'm going to tell you, our marriages will work out. Yeah. If we obey what God's word says, our marriages will work out. And so, you know, we have, we, we just, those things that I want to nitpick about and I just, you know, over the years I go back and as I read that in, in the context of marriage, I thought, wow, I blew it on a lot of, a lot of things because I just wanted my way. And, you know, there's things in life that are principles and there's things that are preferences. And we just have to make sure that we're living out the things, the principles and the things that really matter. And I think in marriage, I think it's really good in our lives. I think teenagers, young people, there's things to have in your life that are called non-negotiables. Things that you know in your life that will never happen in your life. There were things as a, a single person that I said this would never happen. These are, the, these are the things that I believe so much in my life that it's one of those things. And in our marriage, we have had some non-negotiables right. in our lives. There are just some things that we instituted early that we were never going to violate. And, um, you know, some storms did come to our house. And I'm fiery and I'm Italian and I can blame it all on just my personality and I drank too much coffee. But when we would get into, you know, just a disagreement or just a heated discussion. And by the way, we have disagreements a lot. Yes. We're, because we're so different. We're incredibly different from one another. So yeah, very, very different. And I, I just would like to let my tongue fly. Like I just wanted to say every word that was, and I wanted the last word. Isn't there a show, the last word? Something like that. Yeah. There's, I think on some network and I was that person. I was going to have the last word and Gary likes to, you know, he likes to have a conversation and think and mull it over and you know, so I would, I would process and then talk. Well, so I would fight with myself. I would just be having a conversation with myself and I would answer for him and say what I thought, you know, that he he should say or was thinking. And so I just was really having a one-sided conversation. Um, but in all that one time, I remember it was early in our marriage and I said, 
I said, well, fine, then let's just get a divorce. Never meant it, never, but it was just like one of those things that I thought, oh, I'll show you. And Mr. Quiet that usually doesn't, you know, he's got to think about everything. He rose up and he put his finger in my face and he said, don't you ever use that word in my presence again. And it was one of those things like it was like, whoa, he like, okay, I've got to listen. Like EF Hutton talks here. I'm listening. And it it was just one of those things that I, I just remember so clearly. And so it just was one, it was one of those tactics taken out of my hand. It was like a non-negotiable that happened in our life. And I've never said the word again. It's never come up. So now we just got to fight through it. And that's a lot of work. Gary got this great shirt this week and it's, it's uh, at a conference we went to, it says tougher than hell. And if you want to stay married for 35 years, you got to be tougher than hell and you got to sometimes fight through things that you are going through hell and so we want you know today we do not have all the answers we haven't done everything right ours is just a perspective we have um it'll be 35 we've been married 34 years but it'll be 35 35 that sounds better so i'm just going to say we'll have been married 35 years in june so we do have a little bit of history and one thing that i will tell you is that we have attempted to do it god's way and so um again today things that are going to be said you can pull it into marriage but you can also pull it into other areas of your life so we just believe that god wants you to have a great marriage and we're here to help guide you on that journey amen so we want to help you win today. So whether you're married or not, whether you're single, uh, we want to help you. So the principles that we're going to share with you today will apply to everybody's life. So I encourage you to get a pencil out and uh, take some notes. And Mike, I do have a little ring in my microphone there. If you want to just back me out a little bit, I'll try and speak a little higher if I need to. So let's take some notes today because these are going to be good principles. You want to take them with you as we leave today. All right, you ready? How many of you are ready? I said, are you ready? Okay, we're ready to go. Here we go. Number one, ready? Establish and cultivate a vision for your marriage. Establish and cultivate a vision for your marriage. I am a huge vision person. I believe that vision is a key ingredient to success in life. And there's a proverb in Proverbs 29, 18. The the Bible says this. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The word revelation there literally means prophetic vision. How do you see your marriage? What do you see it to be like? And not only that, how does God see it? How does God want your marriage? Because if you don't have a clear vision of how God wants your marriage to be, the Bible says people cast off restraint. That's a nautical term, which a sailor would use in order to bring tauntness to his sail so it could catch the wind and move it in the direction that he wants to go in life. And so if you don't have a vision, you can't bring your your sails taunt to, to go where God wants you to go. And so you just float aimlessly wherever the wind would take you. And that's, that's a great description of a lot of marriages. We're just floating. Mm-hmm. We're just hoping that we'll arrive somewhere. No, you got to do more than that. You got to have a vision for where you want your marriage to go. You gotta have a vision. And, and, and as a husband, you gotta have a vision of what you want your marriage to be like. And as a wife, you gotta have a vision for what you want your, and you gotta talk about it. Where do we wanna go? Where do we want our, our marriage to be a year from now? Where do we want our marriage to be five years from now? And this can't be just the guy, and it can't be just the girl. It's gotta be both of you coming together and saying, where do we want our marriage to be? 
So once we have a vision, now we've got something that we can set our sails towards moving toward. I love what Jimmy Evans talks about. He says, every married couple needs to do a marriage weekend retreat every year where you talk about where do we want our marriage to go? Where, what do we want it to look like? Where the husband looks at the wife and says, what do I need to do to be a better husband? Because I'm telling you guys, she knows. She knows what you need to do to be a better husband. And the wife asks, what do I need to do to be a better wife? And we ask those questions, then we're willing to listen so that we can adjust our lives to help us move in the direction that God wants us to move in. And I want to say this to the single people. I think it's so important that you have a vision for where you want your marriage to be, what you want it to look like, and that it's a prophetic vision. It's not just what you want, but it's what God wants. See, what qualifies someone to be a future spouse? Breathing is not enough. Right. They're breathing. I guess they're okay. No, God's got a higher standard for who he wants you to marry than just someone who just happens to be alive. Come on, there, there are standards. You need to start thinking about what God wants for you and get a vision for the person whom God wants you to marry. So you just don't accept anything or, you know, you want the best that God has for you. You need to have a vision. So I just want to ask a question. So let's say you're in a, a, a situation and you've got one, um, you know, the husband or the wife that is not on this page at all. They, you know, they've, you've gone through something, you're at a place and, you know, there's so much tension. There's been so much that's happened. Like they are not sitting down and having a vision retreat or a vision minute or a vision hour. And they're just not at that place. What does, what does the other spouse do at that point where, you know, that's not going to take place? Okay. Well, I, think I have the answer. Okay, no. we're going to talk about that in a minute, but go okay. ahead and give okay. your answer. No, I would just encourage you to do it, that you get a vision for what you, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to sit down with your spouse at this point and have that conversation, but I think it's important for you to do that and then begin to walk those things out, and you might be the only one doing what needs to be done, but you just continue to obey God's word, but I think it's important for you not to give up on your marriage, not to give up on um, the relationship, but yeah. to, to keep believing God, and sometimes you just got to shut your mouth and pray. You know, you, you know, you know, when you've hit the wall and I believe that prayer can do more than you just badgering, badgering, badgering. So I think, I think at that, those times, there's times that maybe you just need to pray and believe God for a change. And I think really one of the great strengths that Pam and I have had in our marriage relationship is the fact that throughout the years, we've always wanted our marriage to get better and better. I mean, that, that's one of our goals. We want our marriage to get better and better every year. We think it should get gooder and gooder as we go along. I, I, I'm more in love with her today than I was when we got married. But that didn't happen just by chance. It happened because we intentionally set that as our goal. We're gonna work on this relationship. We're gonna work on this marriage so that it does continue to get better and better as we walk down life's road And as long as together. you have God in the middle. You will yeah. collide. You will, you know, God will bring it together. And that's the thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing. Okay. So establish and cultivate a vision for your marriage. Number two, practice the golden rule. I love this one. This is a great, great principle. Practice the golden rule. You know it. Matthew chapter seven and verse 10 or 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So, 
How do you want your spouse to treat you? Treat them that way. This is a great question to ask yourself. Is the way I'm treating my spouse the way I would want them to treat me? Wow. Is the way I'm treating that person the way I would want them to treat me? That's, an, that's a powerful question, right? And I think if we would live our, our married lives and our single lives with that thought in mind, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, we, we would improve our marriages overnight. Because I wouldn't want to treat her in a way that I would want her to treat me, right? And really, it comes down to it's the principle of seed time and harvest. See, marriage is not about what she can do for me. It's what I can do for her. I'm sowing into her life. And the principle of seed time and harvest is simply this. I will reap what I sow. And the second principle is powerful too. What I sow into, I will reap from. So if what you're reaping from your spouse is not good, it might be because of the seed you've sown into your spouse. It's awful quiet in here, right? But that's, that's a powerful principle, a powerful truth. Practice the golden rule. Think about how would I want my spouse to treat, them, treat me and then do that to them, right? Anything on that? Number three, watch your words. Words are powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Make sure that you're speaking life over your marriage, speaking life into your relationship. Don't let uh, rude, coarse, angry words come out of your mouth. One of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Look what it says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I love that. Don't let unprofitable, unuseful, hurtful words come out of your mouth. James chapter one, verse 19 says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you use angry, mean words, you will never produce a righteous result in your relationships. But a soft answer turns away wrath. We'd be amazed at how much our marriages would improve if we would just practice kindness and speak kind words to each other rather than cutting words coarse words, mean words, angry words, accusing words. Come on, watch your words. You know, sometimes, you know, here, this is, this is, I do most of my life with this person that I've, you know, made my husband. And sometimes we can go home and treat our spouse and our kids worse than we treat the person at the grocery store. You know, we're willing to give our best to everybody else all day long. And I understand we have jobs and, you know, we're required to do that. But sometimes you think about how much good we give to everybody else. And then we go home and we have nothing left for our spouse. We, we, we just, we, we let it all hang out. It's like, I just want to let my hair down. But sometimes we, you know, when we find ourselves treating, you know, like, like somebody that, that I have no relationship with, you know, I'm more willing to let something go by with them than to work things out. And, and let me just say this, watch your words, especially if you have kids around the house, because they know, I don't care if you're in a bedroom having, you know, your words or you're at a restaurant and you have words, there's tension. Your kids are not dumb. These kids, kids 
I mean, I remember, I used to remember when my parents would fight and it brought fear. And my dad was kind of, he would get silent. He would, you know, especially in the earlier, he would just go silent for days. And as a child, I just remember being really fearful, like what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my parents? But it's affecting your kids. And you have a responsibility to your kids to do your marriage right. And so I, like you might, you might think that it's not affecting them, but it is. You've got to protect them. You've got to protect the environment of your home and watch those words. And, and I did want to throw this in. You know, there's a lot of people sitting here today. Maybe you've been divorced once, twice, three times. You've been in relationships that haven't worked out. You might be in a place today and feeling very broken and hurt. And this isn't just to throw all this marriage at you, but it's to show that God is redeeming, that he's restoring, that it doesn't matter where you've been. You don't have to stay in that place, that God has a better place for you today. And if you've been divorced, we love you today. I believe that God can restore things in your life so that you can have the best life and the best future, whether that means being married or not, but having those things healed up in your life. Yeah, so good. Number four, forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. I know you thought when you got married that you married the absolute perfect person that would never hurt or harm you or say anything that would be rude or insensitive to you, but you probably were on your honeymoon when the first thing was said, right? Uh, and, and you discovered, right, that that there were, there were issues and that we, and like I said earlier, Pam and I are absolute total opposites. And so we have opportunity every day to be offended. We do. Every day we have opportunity to be offended because she thinks one way, I think another, right? She wants to go one direction, I'm going the other direction. It's just the way we are. And so we have the opportunity, but we made the determination to not be offendable, I refuse to get offended. Now, it may hurt. I I may not like it. I may even get angry for a moment, but I'm gonna deal with that quickly and get back and walk and talk through it so that we don't keep that that distance between us. We we don't allow that wedge of division or bitterness because the enemy knows if he can get division in your household, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So he will do anything to divide your home, your house, your marriage, because if he gets that wedge in there, he can separate it, right? Then he knows he can win the battle. So we just determine we're not going to let those things divide us. We're not going to allow ourselves to be offendable. And you can do that too. You can make the decision. I'm just not going to be offended. I don't care what you say about me. You know, I love all y'all. You say something negatively about me, it may hurt me, but I'm not going to allow it to be offended so that it separates me from a relationship with you, right? And the same thing is true in our marriages. We, we just have to learn how to forgive quickly. And there's, you know, there's really two institutions that the enemy is so against. It's the church and the family. If he can get in there, he can get in to our churches, he can get into our marriages, it affects our kids, and it's, you, you look at, in culture, you know, just the things that have been allowed to come into the public schools and to come into our lives, the social media, what it's doing, you know, the institution of marriage is not honored and revered anymore, and so we've got to protect that thing that God gave us and um, just choose not to be offended, and it's not easy. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a passionate person and, and, and 
you know, I, I just, I like having my way. I like things going my way. And it's yes, just hard. Do. It's just hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes just to go, you know, take that breath and bite your tongue. And, yeah. but sometimes it needs to be done. And I love what our good friend said. Uh, one of the, the keys to understanding offense is typically offense happens because of unmet expectations. Right? That's what, what, what people get offended over. I expected you to do this and you didn't do it. Right? Why do people leave churches? Unfulfilled expectations. They, they wanted you to do this and you didn't do it. Right? And, and so again, it, it's just so important. We, we, we need to guard our heart, keep it from being offended. So we, we can do that. We can say, I'm not going to be offended. Colossians 3.13 says, even as God in Christ forgave you, so you must forgive others. Even when you didn't deserve it, Christ gave you forgiveness. Number five. Oh, I guess we do have a clip somewhere in there, don't we? Oh, we got to show the clip. My wife wants the clip. This one actually, yeah, it goes with watch your words. So anyway, this is referee training. A very close call. Could have gone either way. It was right on the line. Now, Ferguson's not too happy with it. I can tell you that much. Oh, he's beating him like a rented mule. <laughs> and the ref's just tuning him out. Boy, where do you train to take a beating like that? He said, when's that porch going to get painted? And that little box, it's been three weeks, three weeks, and you think I could have married Don Hoffman. And it would it hurt for you to say that you love me once in a while? And you know, you watch that from the outside, and you go, wow. And, la- you know, I want to say, ladies, think about it. Like, yeah, don't think about it. Anyway, we're not pushing Budweiser. We just like the clip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Number five, you ready? Keep sex holy. And number six. <laughs> I want to I camp here for a bit, all right? Keep sex holy. This is so important that we talk about this because we live in such a sexually absorbed and sexually misused society that, that we in the church need to make sure that we are honoring the sexual relationship as God intended it to. And this applies to every one of us, whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we hope to be married someday. It's important for us to keep sex holy. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse four, here's what the Bible says. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. God takes this very seriously. He had a plan and a purpose that he had in mind for us in our sexual relationship. And it's important for us to honor that and to guard that with our very breath, right? And this is not popular in our society. This will not be popular out there where it's a, you know, everybody's doing it and you don't know what you're missing out on. The problem is when you don't go outside of God's way, you don't know what you're missing, on what God intended for the sexual relationship because he intended it to be within the confines of the married relationship. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God gives us the the governing requirements for the sexual relationship in marriage. He said, let the husband render to his wife what is due her and let the wife render to the husband what is due to him. And so sex is to be, number one, mutually beneficial, right? Sex isn't just for men, and it's not just for women, it's for both of us. But we have to understand that 
we meet each other's sexual needs differently. See, women's sexual needs are primarily met emotionally. You meet them through her emotions first and then physically. Guys are met visually and then physically. We're really easy. They're not. So you've got to learn, you've got to study, you've got to know, but it's mutually beneficial, right? Then it said, the husband's body does not belong to himself alone, but to his wife. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but to her husband, right? So the only person, the only person who has the legitimate right to meet my sexual needs is my wife. She's the only one. And the only one who has the legitimate biblical right to meet my wife's sexual needs is me. That's it. No one else. Nothing outside of that. God intended it to be mutually exclusive, right? And so when you go outside of that, you enter into territory that God never intended. That goes for pornography. It goes for all of that because pornography damages the soul. And therefore, when your soul is damaged, you can't have true intimacy in this realm, all right? So it's to be here. And then thirdly, he said, celebrate sex regularly, except for a time where you can give yourself to fasting and prayer, but come together again so that you're not tempted. So I don't know how long you guys fast. Most of you can't make it a day. But at the most, three days, maybe a week. But because sex is the celebration of the covenant that God has in your relationship, it needs to be celebrated regularly. Amen. Is that- and, and I would really say in this whole, I think for teens and young adults, if you're not married today, I think that point is the point you need to take away today is to keep sex holy. Is that you're not, it's one of those non-negotiables. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to have sex outside of marriage. I'm not going to bring. I'm not going to bring in pornography. And you know, pornography used to. We used to think it was just a men's thing, and and it has risen. The statistics of how it has risen in women is unbelievable. And they might be receiving it maybe from a different way than than men. But anything that is satisfying sexual needs, especially when you're not married, it shouldn't be happening. Right. You, you cannot light, ignite that match because once it's ignited, it just wants more and more and more and more. And that's what, that's what sex outside of marriage does. It just wants you, you know, wanting more. And it's, it, it, I just can't state enough how many times we've sat with people who, you know, have so many regrets. You can't go back. Now, we understand in a God that we can redeem and restore all of that. But there's such regrets when you take sex outside of marriage. So for our teens today, for our young kids, if you're in the house today, and for our young adults, you know, we just do it God's way. Do it God's way, and you will find his blessing and, yeah. and the best that he has for you in that. It's interesting. Everything that we do in life together, we do with everybody else, right? Sex is the only area we have together that is just the two of us that no one else knows about, right? And that's the way God intended us for us to have that level of intimacy. All right, number six, live to laugh. Come on, live to laugh. Some of y'all are way too serious today. Come on, you need to laugh a little bit, right? God intended us to live life, to enjoy life. And so 
we, we, we oftentimes take life way too serious. We take our marriages way too serious. And, and here's the scripture that I think is, is Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. God intends you to laugh. Come on, bring joy into your household. Bring joy into your relationships. Bring joy into your marriage. Come on, keep it fun. Keep it, it laughing. Learn to laugh at each other. It's so, so funny because... Uh, some of the things, some of the re- arguments that Pam and I have later on in the day are our biggest laughs. Because we look back and go, how in the world did we get there? You know, that was ridiculous. That was so silly. You know, we laugh about those things. We've learned to laugh at ourselves. And so you need to find those things in your life that will help you enjoy the life. Find those things that you enjoy doing together and do it as much as you can that brings joy and laughter into your home. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's definitely things that Gary likes to do that, you know, they're, they're guy things, and I, there's things that, you know, I like to do with, with the girls. But I think it's important to find those things. I used to, there were two things. I, I'm like, I couldn't understand how you could go golf for four and a half hours and just driving around in a cart. And like, what do you do? Like four and a half hours? And then he would go hunting for like 10 hours a day. And I'm like, what, what, this is the biggest waste of time I've ever, I can ever imagine in my life, but I'd never done it before. I'd never hunted. I'd never played golf. And so once I did both of those things, I actually kind of enjoyed it. And it gave me understanding. It was like, okay, I understand what you're doing out there all day. I'm thinking, what do you, how can you walk around for nine hours? Well, you can walk around for nine hours, if, especially if you don't get anything and you yeah. keep hunting for it. Yeah. So, cause I could walk around probably nine hours at a mall, but yeah. so Easily. yeah, sometimes I think, you know, I used to, seriously, I was kind of naggy about that. I would nag about like four and a half. It took you five hours to golf today. And you know, I had no understanding about that thing. So husbands go shopping with your wife. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, get understanding about those things that they love and have a passion for, but also do new things, like try new things that, you know, maybe force you. I think just, I'm not even talking about being married. Like all of y'all, all of us need to just like mess our brains up and just go a different direction or like try something different, like go bowling or do something you've never done before. I think it's good for us as we get older just to, to be adventurous a little bit. So maybe find a new sport or find something that you like to do and uh, like the Hallmark Channel, you know, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah, that's, no. that's a lot of fun. <laughs> my new thing, my new thing. Yeah. You did that during Christmas. So I, I did, and now we're into Valentine's Day. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I put up with football. By the last football game, I am waving my finger around going, I can't, does fantasy football and football, and I am, and now there's another football league. Come on, somebody. What about that? Yeah. Uh, Live to laugh, all right? Here we go. Just three more. Uh, Number seven, use your faith. Use your faith. I love this. Use your faith. We are people of faith. Come on. Yet I think sometimes we live our relationships too much just out of the natural. We apply too much of just the natural principles. We don't use our faith. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seven says, we live by faith not by sight. I don't care what your marriage looks like. I don't care what your relationships look like. Come on. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. Come on. Believe for something different. Believe for something better. Come on. Speak about something different. Speak about something that's better in your relationship. Come on. Do the things that you know you need to do. Act in faith. Act in those. Even if you don't feel like it, 
Even if you don't want to, do it anyway. Because your faith is speaking for you, right? If you, if you haven't said I love you in a long time, come on, go ahead, do it. Just turn to your spouse and say, hey, I just want you to know I love you. You may not even feel it, yeah. but say it anyway, because you're living by faith. I believe. I'm, I'm exercising what I'm believing for in my life. I'm believing for a better relationship. I'm believing for a better marriage. I'm speaking that thing over my marriage. So good. Come on, let's exercise our faith. And, you know, if you will just obey God's word, um, if you obey God's word, sometimes it's like he said, you might not feel like it, but if you do it enough, it will come. You know, in, in Romans, it also talks about renewing the mind. Come on, sometimes there's things in, in marriage I've had to renew my mind. Go, I know this is what God's word says, but, like, it sure doesn't seem like it's going the right direction. And, you know, if you will just keep doing the right thing at some point, I can't tell you when. Right. God never seems to be on my timetable. He never seems to be early. But if you will continue to, to do the right thing, God's word does not lie. His word is true. His promises are true. And so have, have faith for your marriage. And it's hard when, when you're in a battle, when you're in a season that isn't good, it, you know, you might need some people to come alongside of you and get help. You know, I think that's our next point, isn't it? Yep. Don't do marriage alone. Just don't do marriage alone. You know, as, as a believer, you're in a family of believers and we're here for one another. We're here to help one another win in life. We're here to help one another win in marriage. We're here to help one another win in family. Please don't do life alone. Don't do marriage alone. If you need help in your marriage relationship, come on, get some people around you. Who do you have in your life who is speaking into your life, who's helping you, helping you to, to, to rise? Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse, verses nine through 11 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Who do you have in your world that is speaking into your life? who is helping you to have the kind of marriage you know God wants you to have. Don't do marriage alone. Find some people. And find people who don't just say what you need to hear or what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Right? That's why we do life together. We're better together. So you need to find those people in your world. And, and, and let me just say this. If you really need it, then I, I want to encourage you. If you're at a place where it seems like you're at a bypass, get counseling. There was, there was a time in, in our early years when we would have probably said, no, you know, you just faith it out. But I'm not there anymore. I think counseling can help. If we can gain some tools that we can add to our relationship that will help us improve our relationship, I say go for it. You know, connect with Billy and Des and see if there's another couple here in the church that you could connect with, that you could talk with, that someone who's got a great marriage, that you can help to grow in those tools and those things that will help your relationship go to the next level because God doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to thrive in marriage. We have a small group on Wednesday night, um, Love love and Respect. Yeah. Um, that's at seven o'clock. Um, you can jump into that. We have our marriage conference next Saturday, right? and um, you can get signed up today, but 
do those things. Do do those things that will help your marriage along and, and come to us. We'll help find you um, someone or some counseling. will help you get that. But um, it, it's, it's not good to just stay in that place of just thinking that something's going to, you can't, nothing's going to change if you keep doing the same things. Right. Like you've been doing the same things over and over and over and, and nothing's changing. It's not going to change. You know, I mean, we believe that God can do a miracle. I, I do that. But sometimes when you get in that place, you need that, you know, that, that person to come, somebody else to come alongside of you and help get you unstuck out of that place. Right. So don't do marriage alone. All right. And lastly, here we go. You ready? Stick to the covenant. Stick to the covenant. See, marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. A contract says you, you agreed to do this, 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 and this, and if you don't do this, we're out of here. Covenant says I'm in this because of what I'm bringing to the table, and I'm offering this, this, and this to you as long as we both shall live. It's covenant. God broke covenant with us. He said, I will do this, 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 and this for you as long as we live. When we enter covenant with God, we say, okay, God, this is what I'm bringing. And I'm gonna do this, 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 and this as long as you give me breath. It's a covenant, right? And so when we stood at the altar and we broke covenant with one another, we agreed that we were in this thing till death do us part. That's why early on I said, no, we will never use the D word in this house because that's not an option. We're in this for covenant's sake. And listen to this. In order for me to break covenant with my wife, I'd have to break covenant with God. And I will never break covenant with God. Therefore, I cannot break covenant with her. Matthew chapter 19 Verses four through six says this. Haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together let man not separate. Now it's very possible like Pan said that maybe you've experienced this in your past. Your past is your past. But from this day forward, from this day forward, we're we're settling the issue. This is a non-negotiable. Divorce will never be in our future. We have made the decision that we are a covenant couple. We will never break covenant with God. We will never break covenant with one another. And we're standing in this. We will fight for this marriage. We will fight. I'm going to fight for my marriage. She's going to fight for it. Together, we're going to fight for this thing, that it might be everything God intended it to be. And again, just like we said at the beginning, our intention is that our marriage will get better and better with every passing year. That's God's intention. And it takes that kind of agreement in order to make that happen. You got to be tougher than hell. Because the enemy is doing everything he can to separate you from your spouse. Therefore, we're not going to let it. We've decided we're sticking with the covenant. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more information about Victory Church, 
or to give online, visit victorychurchgf.com. Have a blessed week.